thing. We made this proclamation or whatever this. I don't know what the word is. Dick around too much. That's well, yeah, the whole to, show to, is dicking around. I know the whole show is dicking around, but I, I don't want to dick around before we get to our sponsors. Who's they actually in the contract says the beginning and end of the show, the Dan Duran billboards we call them. Ah, uh, okay. And right. we would like them to be closer to the beginning as opposed to some days they're <laughs> closer like a, to the end. <laughs> they're just all jam packed in at the end. Well, I'm sorry. Is this too frivolous for you, Mister? No, I'm on. No, I'm not on you. Board. The other one. He has this look oh. of disgust on his face. No, I'm just. It's true. Sometimes we do the intro after the extra. <laughs> That's that right. <laughs> Some, yeah, sometimes Dan closes the show and then he has to open it again. It's very confusing. So here we go. This episode of Hubble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Hubble and Fred Studios in Toronto, from our Brampton facility with a pool, and from Lisa's house in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures at tvnet.ca, Architect Outdoor Living, Palma Pasta, and our newest sponsor, Stretch Lab Toronto, helping you improve posture and relaxation and decrease your stress. And now, here are two men who think a great restaurant patio is one with no customers, which means no people, and more for them, it's Humble and Fred. I see now we've officially started the show. We're in mid-show form, and let's get right at it. On our you guys uh, tell Rock of Ages, right? Which, yes. Uh, yeah, you did with me. I just wanted to let you know that uh, Jonathan Cullen, Lisa's son, yes. has uh, been nominated uh, for a musical theater, Dora. That's wonderful. in a leading role. Uh, turn your mic up. thought I'd never say My that. My mic? Yes, please. Oh, wow. What happened there? Uh, we're getting Something a little like fuzzy so. feedback stuff. But anyway, that's great. We all saw Rock of Ages. It was amazing. Her son was fantastic in it. And yeah, uh, yeah, she's she's very proud, of course. I'd say. Look at so these uh, Dora Awards. Where where is this? Like, is this a Canadian thing or a, the or Dora May have more awards? Are basically a Toronto theater, music, dance, um, a drama kind of award that's yeah. been around for years and years. It's very big. It's very you know what? It's uh, very prestigious in the community here in Toronto. Yeah. When I was uh, a kid at the exhibition, they used to have uh, <laughs> they used to have an exhibit. And it, was, it was Dainty Dora. And, oh yeah, uh, it was like an eight hundred pound woman, and you paid money. We've talked about this, and then you walked behind a curtain, and you just stood there and stared at a woman that was so grossly obese she could hardly function. Yeah, well, she couldn't function, yeah. and uh, yeah, her name was Dainty Dora. Just came to mind with that Dora. Thing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Now, yeah, the, now, the Explorer show yeah. a story too. To okay, you can t- the, uh, t- turn your mic down just a little bit because you've go, we've gone too okay, far. Now, now, Fred and I are actually uh, exhibits at the uh, at the exhibition. <laughs> people, <laughs> people pay money and they just go behind a curtain and stare, <laughs> and stare at us. Come see the odd fellows. <laughs> yeah. Stare at us and just watch us do our podcast as we cling ever so. You know, we cling to relevance. <laughs> watch these two guys as their careers just go into the sunset <laughs> Dora. well congratulations what I was going to say musically on this program we have a, a guy that spent years at the in the middle of like 
the music industry. He was the uh, manager of Herman's Hermits, but he also helped shape the career of some other very famous people, including, speaking of the musical theater, Dan Duran, Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Our wow. guest today, legendary rock manager Harvey Lisberg, who is uh, living in Los Angeles, originally, I guess, from the U.K., and uh, he checked in yesterday, so he's going to be getting up early to speak to us. He probably thinks he's on some kind of real podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the people down in Southern California, yeah, I'm on the Humble and Fred show tomorrow. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That's right. Oh, yeah, the Humble and Fred show. You go to Spotify, you can see the thing right there. <laughs> That's right. Go oh, to Spotify. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go look at them. He lives in Palm Springs, is, uh, according to these notes. Oh, lucky him. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, that's uh, what's coming up on our show today. Also, we obviously checking in with the Sherpa. There's an outside chance we'll be talking about uh, some stuff with our boy Brett uh, Tanner from the the Chamber Plan. As well, of course, Dan Duran's News, Toronto Mike checking in. It's a very busy show. It's our last one for uh, almost a week because Monday is a Humble and Fred holiday. Yes, some exciting news from the Chamber Plan. You know, again, ahead of the curve, very progressive. Uh, you know, they got a couple of new products they want to talk about and I'll be talking about over the next several days, but Brett will be on today to, uh, I'm sure highlight them. Um, and just check that though. He may be on today. We don't have a hundred percent confirmation. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So I will proceed with the regular uh, chamber plan. Well, well, and I, well, you know, it'll be the last thing we do. If he doesn't check in, then you can do it. Okay. Howie, that's a good plan. Howie. <laughs> Uh, once again, a uh, on air meeting. <laughs> That's a good about plan. the show. Yes, it's a very good. Well, plan. it's a very good plan. We have to have a plan, Fred. Um, uh, um, um, I was down. Dan uh, referenced uh, patios at the top of the show. I was uh, downtown last night at the uh, baseball game. The Brewers and Jays and Jays won it big time. They won it bigly. Okay, so biggie. But uh, we went for a little bite to eat. Uh, went to Scatterbush. Uh, we opted for the inside as opposed to the patio because, again, the downtown patios are really they're interesting now. Right. The patios are right beside the road. So as you go to take a bite of your pizza, you inhale uh, TTC exhaust and what have you. It's it's a little bewildering to me at this point. Well, if I may just, you know, rewind the program 10 or 15 years. I, oh, OK. Have I not been saying this for how many times have I said the most overrated thing is a patio in Toronto on a street yeah. where all mm-hmm. forget the fact that people are walking by you while you eat there. All it is is people in <laughs> cars and uh, and hobos. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. And where that scatterbush is, it's not like you're looking at anything. All you're looking at is, I think, the convention center. Right. So it would be like saying to Doll, oh, I've barbecued, barbecued us a couple of <laughs> nice right. steaks. Let's let's take the patio table over to the side of Mayfield Road and have dinner. It would be like me <laughs> saying, hey, guys, come on over. I'm going to barbecue some burgers and we're going to sit right out here on the Queensway while the traffic goes by. And God. they would look at you like you're crazy. Yet go downtown and there's just this thing that... Patios are the thing, and uh, it's bizarre. Really, and and listen, I get it. If you're on Queens Key or you're down near the water, or even in like, there's a couple patios, you know, in some little yeah. neighborhoods, like in the East End, there's a couple little neighborhoods where it's kind of, in, you know, intimate. It's not filled with traffic and people. And Well, even <laughs> down there, like 
Heater Street or Blue Jays Way or whatever those little arteries are. There's some patios on those streets that aren't quite as busy. They're, they're humble and friend approved is what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, Dan's move. Dan, listen, I know you're, of course, you you feel the opposite that any time you can eat outside of the great outdoors is fantastic. Yeah, you put that stuff behind you. Because mostly a patio that you want to be on has been, you know, decked up a little with some, uh, you know, nice flower boxes, some sure. great chairs and, uh, yeah. you know, nice heaters and things like that. If you like patios, San Miguel de Allende. Hey, hi, hi. There were some great patios. Yeah, pork belly right at the top. I enjoyed that. It was open. Uh, you know, it was a good vibe. It was not crowded. Uh, another place we went, and you, you never got to go, but we, we went um, to this patio. That's it was, on, it was on top of a restaurant. And you're looking, you know, they had music uh, in the evening, and you're looking down on these cobblestone streets, and there's not giant streetcars going by. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the outdoor vibe is, uh, is different. Yeah. Uh, by the way, at Scatterbush, did you have the uh, um, avocado bruschetta? Uh, no, we didn't. We didn't have an appetizer because we each got a pizza, and that was enough. Uh, if I'm at Scatterbush and I get an appetizer, I usually go for the tuna guac. Oh, nice. Yeah. Or the mozzarella ball with the uh, fig and, uh, and uh, you know, fig and fig jam and, and bruschetta. Um, so you ate with uh, our buddy Rudra last night. He has mm-hmm. come, he, he, he's got great tea, great seats to the Blue Jays. I was lucky enough to be there for the home opener in uh, April. And um, did, is uh, Rudra finished eating his um, pizza yet? Are you serious? <laughs> because him and I were... We we started at the same time and finished at the oh, same time, man. And I didn't feel like I was changing well, my eating habits. Maybe at all. he did. He, he maybe was right he, there with me. Well, maybe he did that because he knew I'd be asking if he because he's the slowest eater I've ever ate with, eaten with. Oh, the poor guy was probably he's just in a back class <laughs> trying to keep right. up with me. Oh yeah, he was going bite oh, for bite really. with the uh, Speedy Gonzalez of eating. <laughs> oh, <laughs> rude! I'm sorry. Oh yeah, he doesn't he shovel probably, it back. Oh, I I ate with him this winter. We went up for uh, we were had a golf simulator, and I think we went to the keg or something. And he's still finishing that entree. Like it's insane how quickly, how quickly, how much faster we ate than he eats. I had the uh, sausage gargonzola mm. pizza. It was good. Yeah. By the yeah, way, is, is is Scatterbush a sponsor? Should I put them on the sponsor list here? Uh, they used to be, Dan. They are an oh, official. Okay. Uh, they're sort of a legacy, like an old sponsor that we don't mind uh, mentioning from time to time because uh, they were so no. good to us. You know, yeah, maybe they could come back someday. Maybe. Okay, uh, Dan. But you know, listen, when you're in a big community by the lake and you're sitting outside, that's fantastic. Wow. That whole thing, it's not for me, man. It just isn't. It's once in a while. That was, and ironically, I'm going right back next Wednesday with Dahl to the Jays game, which will, that'll be my fill of the, oh, and I'm going to, oh, no, we're going to the exhibition grounds on Tuesday, aren't we, for May Potts Award. Everybody's getting awards. Um, That's right, Dan, Fred and I, Dan, Fred, Dan, comma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dan, comma, Fred and myself are attending a luncheon. Uh, honoring the great May Potts. Uh, it's not a luncheon. We what? don't have to be there till six. It's not. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go. I was going to go into the whole what's a luncheon bit, but uh, no. Oh, were you? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm. Th- I'm no, I'm sorry. Oh, that's me. I thought for some reason it was a midday thing. No. 
<laughs> right. It's right. an evening it thing. It probably is. It's probably midday, but they invited us, told us to come at six. <laughs> come right. later. <laughs> They're like, okay, we, we're going to get Howard and Fred there after everyone's gone. Yeah. It's, so yeah, you're going to have to dress a, up uh, and stuff for this thing? Is this like an Well, that's a great question. I say sem- semi-cash or, you know, yeah. I'm thinking it's pretty casual. Mm-hmm. But we're going to head into, well, it's not really into the city, but it's, we're going to go to a thing where other people are. And he and I were talking about it, you know, because we want to support May because she's been a friend of ours for a long time. And I said to him, oh, it might be fun uh, because we'll see a lot of people we know. <laughs> he made this face. He just, <laughs> he just made a face. And I was like, really? Aren't we past, aren't we past the hate? I said, yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll meet some people we know. He's just like, oh, there's lots of people I'd like to see. He said, I wouldn't, but it it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It just comes with it. But my my head's going to explode. Monday, I got to be at a golf tournament at, uh, you know, in Thornhill, which is sort of the city. And then Tuesday, May's thing, which is exhibition. Wednesday, Jay's game. That's oh, all yeah. too much for this whole fight. It's a lot for you, man. It really is. It's a lot. I'm need yeah. the rest of that week to just, you know, <laughs> just decompress. Oh, yeah. Too much activity. Oh, yeah. Look at you out Brother. and about. Uh, I don't have the invitation. Do you still have the invitation for this thing? Uh, I don't know. Somewhere. All right. Well, well, send, do you, do you guys find that kind me. of thing exciting uh, because you're going to meet people there, or is it like, oh, I got to put on the social face and well, all these people I know, and it's a big, huge endeavor to actually emotional endeavor. That's to get a great question. And, Here's what I would if I, if I could answer first. I would say this because it's May, and the people that like May are people that we would probably like and have had no, you know. Most likely have had had no beefs with, haven't you know, been fired by, haven't been fired by, haven't had beefs with, you know, radio beefs. So I'm looking forward to it because it'll be nice to be there with my boy here and hanging out, and then also maybe running into some people we don't hate. <laughs> That's all, always a chance, Dan. I'm sure it will be predominantly women, wouldn't it be? Or does it? Not necessarily. Oh, okay. It's just friends. Because I don't Because know men that. support women. Men can be supportive of women. Because in my long and unstoried career, um, <laughs> yes. I don't know of any females that I ever had a problem with. Do you? Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't. But then again. We only had one. Did we have a female program director? Was Karen our program director? Yes, Karen was our program director. Oh, she was program director when they uh, kicked my ass out of there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe don't go over to her and go, hey, remember back in 2005? Wasn't her fault. No, this is going to be, you know, let's just look at it this way. Mm -hmm. You're in the city. You're out and about. It's exciting times. You know, I had a question. I just want to move on quickly. I had a, before we get into the real meat and potatoes of the show, uh, you were doing the show yesterday and I think Monday from uh, the trailer dock or, or trailer deck or whatever yes. people call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you remarked to me, Dan, I'm not sure if you were still with us when Fred was talking about how beautiful it was there. Oh, yes. Yeah. It really is. Never wanted to be in a spot more than he wanted to be there right at that moment. And, and I thought about it today, and I thought, you know, because you guys are maybe winding down your trailer careers, you know, Fred moving on, and Dan's, tra- <laughs> Dan's trailer's been condemned. <laughs> and, uh, it's you know, been condemned, it's okay, been sure. condemned by the, the yeah. Lake Health Department. 
<laughs> it's been deemed unlivable. Yes. I'm, I'm not. I'm not their people anymore. And uh, I was thinking this morning. I was going to ask Fred, and and you, as and by association, you on days like that, Fred. Do you think that you'd like to spend, you know, another summer there? Or are you comfortable with the fact this might be your last summer there? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, you know what? That's just too hard to answer. I don't know. The thing is that at some point in all our lives, you know, you've got to turn a page. And Here, let me back up a bit. Those days are so, are pretty, there's not a lot of them. Let's put it that way. And as you get older, like most of May sucks and most of September sucks up there for us. You know what I mean now? So you've just got this small window and then you hope that you have a lot of those days. But there aren't a lot, actually. So, again, when you're younger and more into it, the days that aren't so nice, you can still sort of tolerate being there. Mm -hmm. But that's decreased and again there's other things to do and and believe me i could be there for the next 10 years it's just sometimes you think should i turn the page should i you know do something else with my summers should maybe i sell you know brampton in the trailer and maybe buy a waterfront property or something all these things go through your head howard well i appreciate that thanks for your thanks for sharing fred for dan what about you i mean are you do you have i know you don't like to plan beyond this next sentence but do you (laughs) (laughs) i know you don't like to think ahead too much because you're a man of the moment man of the moment yes you're a man you're a man of the moment man of the moment what uh what about you what do you think about what i asked same kind of thing uh i waffle a lot because there's times waffle because you know there's times he's like ah all right well okay i get it and then there's times like uh, fred was talking about where the lake is beautiful or you're out on the lake and you, you see the wildlife or whatever and you i often wonder if i give this up will i be able to find something uh, mm. comparable that that is no. as interesting and uh you know that I could afford and be next to the lake like I am now, and yeah, that's probably not tr- not going to happen. So, is there something else that I could do? I with that money, could I fly somewhere and you know get a a shorter term but as equivalently wonderful experience? I don't know. It's one of those things. That's back to the waffling. See, I'm lucky. I've got a, and again, my life is tied to my grandkids. Maybe more than it should be. I don't know. But, you know, I have... Uh, I got a pretty nice backyard here for recreational activities, so it's not like... You know what I mean? It's not like I would... I don't have something to do. You know, Like in the summer, um, if the kids were yeah. here Saturday and Sunday, Saturday no, I get or it. Sunday, <clears throat> yeah, it's fine. You know, the number of days... You know, I, I golf occasionally... And, mm-hmm. uh, and I like it, but I don't like it when it's not like I, I like it less and less. I'm trying to get get a, a roundabout way of seeing if I, it's similar to you. I, I like it less now on the days that aren't great. I, I just don't have the tolerance mm-hmm. like all of May. I probably played less than I would 10 years ago when, you know, my interest and tolerance for shitty weather were pretty high. You know, whereas I'm still interested in playing and improving and, and I love the game and I, you know, my, my, a lot of my social activities are around the game. A lot of my friends are working the sport, but I just don't have the tolerance for wearing four layers. Like a week ago today, 
it was still pretty you know it was a sh- pretty shitty wednesday it was a 13 degrees and 45 gusting whatever and Mm-hmm. And I just don't know. And I, and again, because of the fact that we were away for the first time, like we were this winter, that gave me a different perspective on golfing here in Ontario in the spring. Anyway, I just thought I'd ask you that, fellas. Let's. Uh, uh, we don't need to no, make no, it the I, entire subject of the show. I just wanted to throw it out there. No, you know, on that point, you know, and I, Delise isn't into it as much as she used to be because as nice as our little hut is up there. You know, if the weather's not nice, you're in this box where you could be at home, maybe. You know, right. I mean, she doesn't. That really doesn't. And, and also, do a your lot for your peer group isn't there no. again as well. I mean, like, when I, when you guys would go there thirty years ago, the place was filled with people that were, yeah, all your buddies and then uh, with their kids, everyone's kids. It was small and anyway. Yeah, I just now thought I'd throw it out dinner, there. I don't really want to do anything. No, no one wants to do anything after dinner except watch uh, reruns of Ted Lasso and eat spits. Oh no, that's just me. Uh, okay, Dan Duran's news. Uh, listen, Dan, it's going to be uh, with a lot of moving parts on the show today. Sherpa, could be Brett Tanner. We got the Herman's Herman's guy. Uh, Toronto Mike, so just pop in when you feel uh, there's a hole in the show. <laughs> so I'll be back in about 30 seconds. Yes, please come back and do the news. Alright, in the meantime, Time. Let's talk about these people. Well, again, I can't. Uh, you go ahead. Uh, well, really? I prepare because right. really, given our situation, there might only be one thing that I. No, no, you got to do. Uh, you got to do Bodog and Architect. Oh, okay, Howard. Well, yeah. So I'll tell you what. You let me go ahead. I'll let me get. All right. All right. I hear you. I hear. You know what? I got your signals. Uh, let me talk about our uh, this mining company that we've been promoting now, six or seven months. And why are we doing it? Because we think it's got a uh, we, th- we think it has has a place in your portfolio. Aaron Ventures doing business under the uh, ticker symbol Boron One, an emerging international junior mining company, exploring the world of boron. Why is that important? Look it up. It's in everything in the phone you're holding. There's a boron element to it, like there are in so many other parts of our society. Aaron Venture Strategies to uncover and capitalize on unique development opportunities. And they found some boron. They're trying to get it out of the ground. And this might be an opportunity for you. Have your Sherpa or the Sherpa. Check out AaronVentures.com. AaronVentures.com, Friedrich. Yes, uh, you know, whether you're a sports bet whore, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty in the NBA uh, and the NHL, the uh, you know the championship rounds. And uh, again, for all your wagering pleasure, go to Bodog and check it all out, and we'll we'll follow the lines as these uh, series develop. All right, Bodog. Well, there's two uh, stories we could jump into, uh, given that we've got about 20 minutes before, hopefully, before this dude checks in from Los Angeles. I'm sorry, Palm Springs. You were at the... One of them is this Blue Jay story, and the other one is uh, this uh, Government of Canada story. A couple of smaller things, too. By the way, I did... If we get a chance, let me just pause. Before we get to those two things... That's going to take a little bit of uh, unpacking, as the kids like to say. 
But on your recommend, I uh, listened to that episode of Smartless with Paul Anka. And uh, yes. we don't need to, this doesn't need to be a long discussion. Other than to say, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned a couple things to me. We were talking about uh, how annoying sometimes it can be when they don't let the guest, you know, answer some questions, especially if you're interested. And they really have, I, I think they've really done a pretty good job of that. Like they've started to let the, the narrative continue. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know, well, I just saying, I noticed it in the Paul Anka episode. More than I have in other episodes, like I really, you really got to hear Paul Anka. Now, maybe that's because Jason Bateman's married to Paul Anka's daughter. And right. there was a sweet little, um, uh, not reverence, maybe, yeah, maybe reverence, respect or whatever it is when you're talking to your father-in-law who happens to be one of the most famous singer-songwriters of all time. Right. Yeah, um, I was surprised that uh, those two other guys had had not really met him before. Yeah, same I with was, me. Yeah, you, you'd think how tight they are that somewhere along the line. But again, listening to Paul Anka too, like Jason Bateman's kids, obviously his grandchildren. It sounds like Anka's like all over the world still. Still his advanced I, age. I couldn't believe it. Like the guys in his eighties, Paul Anka, not Will Arnett right. and Jason Bateman, but the guys in his eighties and uh, just continues to tour he's, t- he's talking about tour plans yeah. well into next year mm-hmm. uh but i really liked the episode and he, you know a couple of the things i know can't remember if you mentioned them to me when you were talking about the episode but i was surprised too that will arnett and the other guy sean hayes being uh, as show business guys as they are didn't know that that paul anka wrote first of all paul anka wrote my way when he was 26 years old which blew Sean Hayes away. Sean Hayes had no mm. idea. I thought that was common knowledge. But what I really thought was common knowledge was that Paul Anka wrote the Tonight Show theme. Right. What I didn't know, though, was the story he told about having to give Carson half the rights to it. Right. Yeah. It was such a great little moment because he had written this thing for Johnny and Johnny wanted to use it. But the producers somehow said, no, no, we're going to use this other one. And then Paul Anka said to Carson, I'll tell you what I'll do. Because, you know, who knows? At at that point, no one knows the show is going to be on for 30 years. So Paul Anka gives Carson half the rights to the music, the publishing and everything and splits it with him for the rest of time. (laughs) But as he explained, well, why wouldn't he? Because that's half of something. Mm -hmm. It could have been half of nothing. Because if he didn't agree to that deal, it may have never have happened. So then there's nothing. So that half of something is still probably turned into millions of oh, millions. As he said, it yeah. put his, you know, his daughter, Jason's wife through. Well, I did more than just put her through school. But you think about every night for 30 years, he got a check for that theme running. And then all the years in reruns, all the reruns and on this fact that it's still yeah. like I was really I didn't know much about Paul Anka. And again, I'm going to wrap this up because I wanted to talk about this other stuff. But I, I, I was really impressed with how savvy he was. And how he figured out the business early on. Yeah. yeah. Unlike, and, he, and he said that. He said, there, maybe we can bring this up with our, this manager that's coming up. He said, there are artists that, you know, are artists and then artists that get the business. And he named a couple that he thought were good business people, too. But he certainly has made the most of whatever talent he had, man. And, and he could have easily 
ended up not even being in the business. It's just funny how certain things work for certain people. Yeah. You know, when everything sort of lines up and... And you think of some of those songs. I'm so young and you're so old. <laughs> no, I know. It's my friend I've been, or however yeah, it goes. Diana. Like, oh, yeah, he's written a ton. He wrote, he had a number one song by the time he was 18 years old. Just simple yeah. schlock, really. But at the time, it was huge. Court. The fact yeah. that uh, Frank Sinatra was about to record what he thought was one of his like, his last album. He was tired of the business, and he was talking to Paul Anka, and he said, hey, I, I'm about to record my last album, and you still haven't written me a song. Anka goes home, starts thinking about Carson's career, you know, and now the end is near, and though I face the final curtain, etc. Anyway, he calls up uh, Sinatra, says, I got a song for you. Sinatra records it, and it's also now one of the most famous songs of all time. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Um... You mentioned that you were at the uh, ball game last night, and then you sent me a story this morning. I wish I, I wish I could say I was surprised, but uh, is this another athlete? I don't even know if the story is about another athlete, but you know, uh, it's the, the headline yeah. is Blue Jay pitcher truly sure sorry for sharing anti LGBTQ two S plus video. I mean, that's a whole other story. That LGBTQ2, I mean, that keeps getting longer and longer. Yes, it Do you, does. Can you decipher that whole one now? Like, I don't even know. I can't. I, I get lost. I get, I'm not sure after. So it's lesbian, lesbian gay, gay, bi, trans, trans queer. queer. Two, 2S? 2S, I don't know. Uh, and, but you know what? Let's not it let, doesn't matter. Yeah, we, we, listen, we're allies. We're allies. That's what we are. So Anthony Bass, he's. I guess another, you know, Christian athlete, you know, there's a lot of them out of the United States. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's this Instagram page. It's called dude with good news. And um, again, it's just another hate filled Christian who's, you know, he's all over um, a target now because they were going to have a line of. You know, a line of products for that community. And, of course, they're not supposed to do that, because if I go in Target, I shouldn't have to look at it. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Howard, there's been many incidents in Target stores in the United States where people have gone in and kicked down the displays and thrown the clothes around. Oh, yeah. It's called uh, Target's Pride Collection. They have about mm-hmm. 2,000 products for sale uh, so, from home furnishings to clothes. So this guy, dude with good news... You know, if you look at some of the postings, I can't get into them because I'm not following the asshole. Word from Jesus. God will often withhold your dreams until you get to this place. How to know if your thoughts and intentions are uh, are pure. Did God really say this? Anyway, you get the idea. So this Anthony Bass, you know, a simpleton. He must be just a goofy gork who happens to be able to throw a baseball. And he doesn't do that very well, to be honest. I, uh, this kid, uh, dude with good news, he he has uh, some anti-target posting, and it's also tied to the Bud Light situation. So this uh, Anthony Bass, he retweets it or re- or shares it or yeah. likes it, it. Yeah, he shared it. Yeah. So you know, it came to the attention of some people, especially Blue Jay management, and 
you know, and uh, all of a sudden, this guy's the center of attention for all the wrong reasons, especially you're the Toronto Blue Jays in Canada, where it's all supposed to be all inclusive. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're not really supposed to care about things that really don't affect your life. So this Anthony Bass, you know, he immediately goes into, you know, damage control. And just before the game last night, he apologizes and said, you know, it was a bad move on his part. And, of course, he has no problem with gay people and everything, even though he shares a thing about Target and blue light. But, you know, the Blue Jays really haven't had any uh, disciplinary action yet. They were in damage control, you know, saying all the things about all the virtues of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and how they want to be inclusive. And there's going to be a pride night and all these things. But an asshole like this, as soon as he does that, right, all of a sudden now you've involved everybody you work with. Because I said it was sort of like the Stafford thing where, you know, yeah, you tweet a thing out from a hospital one day on an off day. It doesn't matter when you're an entertainer, when you're in the public domain, so to speak, your actions, you know affect a lot of people sure you represent everyone you work with and and they get sucked into it and they have to apologize the organization you know looks bad and etc etc can you just just pause your Mm -hmm. your, just for a second if i may just jump in with something or or, are you have you wrapped up i'm not no no no, i know know you wanted to make a bigger point but i I don't want to step on that i just wanted to uh just jump in and say i want to i just want to read everyone Mm -hmm. what bass's retweeted or re or he liked on uh instagram this is what the guy who he's this is the dude with good news says uh, for those who don't know target has begun pushing the message of transitioning to young people no they're not and teamed up with a satanist to push pro satan clothing to children the enemy isn't even hiding anymore the caption reads calling the merchandise evil and demonic in this video and the reason i wanted to pop in with that because of course as you know, we, well, I can, I certainly have, you know, anti-religious uh, would be right beside my name. But the reason I am is because that just sounds so childish to me. That's like, to me, that's as childish as quoting something from Harry Potter, mm-hmm. you know, about the fucking Death Eaters are going to rise up and Voldemort's uh, pushing his clothing at Target. It really does. Like, what I don't understand, I'm going to get you, you can get back to the, your point, And I just want to say, it just sounds so immature. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, forget the fact that they're targeting, no pun intended, that this guy thinks that Target is targeting to transition young children. Forget all that. But the fact that they still are the darkness and the satanic, all this stuff is just so childish to me. And the fact that you could, that a a, a professional baseball pitcher pitcher endorses it is even, there's a whole other section of that. But it's just when you read these things, how a a serious person could take it seriously Mm -hmm. is ludicrous. And what, it's just all so hate filled. That's what bothers me about it. Like, you know, sometimes you see, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone gets murdered and, uh, you know, find out the, the mother and father, you know, uh, Christian and oh, yeah. they forgive the murderer. You know, sometimes you see that and it's like, you know, God would want us to forgive this person that killed our child or whatever. And then you think, I guess that's the spirit of Christianity. Well, what's all this? Yeah. What, what is all this? Not that I would ever forgive anybody who killed one of my kids. I'm just saying that seems to be... You know what they flog all the time, but then it comes to this. It's just why does Anthony Bass, Toronto Blue Jay pitcher, 
in the position he's in give a shit? Like, what part of his day that, you know, did he have a, like, that type of a brain fart that he didn't think of the consequences? Mm-hmm. Like, why well, no, did he that, need... That's what, a great... What would prompt him to to do that? Yeah, that's the... Uh, well, not not just with him, but what part of anyone's day... Mm-hmm. Let's say, for instance, you know, that you didn't... You didn't really endorse the LGBT... LGBTQ2S+. Let's say you, let's say you were a person that just didn't had a problem with it whether it was for religious reasons mm-hmm. or not like you just didn't support it but where you get the energy to go down to a store and start knocking over displays and mm-hmm. putting out hate-filled fucking messages like honestly you, you know we were t- <clears throat> excuse me we were talking about you trying to get the energy up to come into the city two days in a row mm-hmm. <laughs> like isn't mm-hmm. isn't which thankfully is most people most people don't have the energy to dis- display hate for anyone proactively. I'm mean, not say proactively, like posting and going down and knocking shit over. Yeah, I, I, I just don't get it. It always gets back to if it doesn't affect me, why do I care? Right. But these people create situations where in their head, they think it's going to affect them down the road. Oh, listen, we're conditioning these children. We're schooling these children. So that's what they that's sort of the hook that they hang their hat on. It's like, oh, yeah, I got to get involved because, oh, you know, they're going to turn all these kids into queers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's what they're going to do, which is just nonsense. But and again, it's always tied. Why is it always tied to the Bible? Well, because that's where they get their information from. Well, I know, but again, and then I get, and then the Bible, again, it's supposed to be so good and, and, and inclusive and forgiving, and it's just, it's all too much. But you're only getting that, listen, you're only getting that from the movies. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Really, you're right. you, you yeah. are. We're all getting that. You know, any mm-hmm. m- most people's knowledge of any biblical, I'm just going to let Harvey know that we're two minutes away, is just from something you heard in a show. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't a lot of atheists knocking over uh, pride collection shit at Target. There's not a lot of no. really smart people. Uh, Jordan Peterson with, is the exception. He's one of the few smart people that's still also religious. But most smart people aren't going down to the store or protesting Bud Light. or cause, Because they don't give a shit. And this picture, and you, you said something before the show. I wanted you to say it now, which, which is they should just fire the fucking guy. Right. But, you know, so Howard, this is where hypocrisy comes into it, too. Maybe even on my part. And another thing that annoys me about professional sport, and we've talked about it before, how the better you are, the more slack you're given. Oh, yeah. So this uh, Anthony Bass or whatever his name is, he's not very good. You know what I mean? He's so-so. Yeah, and I said to you, they should just knock, kick his ass out of town today. Say No. What you did to this franchise, what you did to your teammates. Now your teammates have to go and answer these questions. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah. You know, and within themselves, they may, as you said earlier, you may have a problem with it. You may not. You don't may. But now all of a sudden I have to answer the questions because of what this guy did. And, and, and the team has to. So I say, just run him out of town. Who cares about him? You Which, can replace him. But now, if it was the. If was, it was. Yeah. OK. Now, if it was. Star pitcher. You know, Star pitcher Gosman, or yep. you know, even Alec Manoa, we might go well. Mm, no, 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 
and I got to luck myself. You know, I look at look at right. You know, I could fall into that, and it's it's wrong, but that's the way it is. I can't remember if this was my point or I was repeating it from something I read, but. Like all these guys, these Christians that hate and hate and they use the Bible to support yeah. their Christian fascism. You know, this uh, story yesterday about that stupid idiot uh, Bober isn't going to support an anti-Semitic bill that Joe Biden's trying to, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But all of it comes down to this. This is the point that I, that I find fascinating in all this. Anthony Bass has a two-year-old child. In 12 years or 13 or 14, whatever it is, if that child turns out to be trans or gay or bi or whatever, it's a whole different story. When it comes when it comes to live in your home, then you become maybe maybe that's when you you your views on these things change. Yeah. You know, this Anthony Bass a few weeks ago, he was in the news as well, because apparently his wife got on an airplane. Yes. And the kids spread a bunch of popcorn all over the place. So the flight attendant said, excuse me, ma'am, can you just clean up your kid's mess? Yeah. And apparently that became a problem about the airline. How dare they ask my wife? And apparently she was pregnant. But as soon as I saw that story, I thought, you know, I smell a rat here. I'm not going to jump on the airline for this uh, flight attendant saying, can you clean that up? I said, for it to get to that point, there's yeah. a lot more to this. Yeah, story. there had to be some, you know, fuckery exactly. going about. Uh, anyway, uh, there's that story. Go look it up if you need more details. Right now, it's, uh, let's see. Harvey, can you hear us, you you sweet, sweet man? Well, I don't know about being sweet at this time of the morning, but... Well, that's uh, the thing. I can hear you. Well, that's all we need to know. Listen, we've, uh, we're very excited that you've taken some time. We've been uh, talking about you all morning. Quite a, uh, a history, quite a history our next guest has. His new book is called I'm Into Something Good, My Life Managing... 10cc, Herman's Hermits, and many more. Welcome to our program, Harvey Lisberg, who got up early this morning, Fred, from Palm Springs, where both of us have spent some time. It's beautiful there. Oh, isn't it? A lovely place to live. Some of the best climate. A lot better than the climate you grew up in, I'm guessing, Harvey. It was. um, I lived in that climate, and when I was about 52, I thought, this is the last February I want to spend in England. Yes. Everybody I knew in our family died in February. (laughs) Very (laughs) frightened of it. Um, Let's get right to it, Harvey, because we've got about 15 minutes. We want to make sure everyone's uh, excited about your book. You know, when Fred and I were kids, you know, back in the 60s, I remember Herman's Hermits. I'm leaning on the lamppost. All these great (laughs) songs. Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter. I'm Henry VIII. But where where were you and who were you when you decided? Well, two, two questions. Decided to be a manager. And how did you discover this band? Um. I was a musician. Uh, I wrote songs. I played the piano. Um, I played the guitar. And uh, I used to write songs hoping to get them to various artists to perform. In those days, artists were always looking for songs. And, of course, these songs, maybe they weren't that good or whatever, probably not good enough. I was getting nowhere. I decided, well, the only way out of this is to get your own band and get them to perform your music. So I put an advert in a Manchester paper in England for a contest or whatever, and this was the band. We went to Davy Hume, uh, to a youth club, and uh, saw Herman and the Hermits perform. They were doing songs like um, 
Johnny Be Good. I saw her standing there. The usual songs that every single trio or quartet band was doing at the time. Everybody did the same. There's nothing really very much original. All covers of 50s, 60s, um, oh no, really 50s, um, American stuff, you know. And um, after the number, each number, the stage was charged by about 50 screaming girls. I thought I'd won the national lottery. <laughs> I subsequently mm-hmm. found out that they'd been planted. A lot of these people had been planted in the audience. They heard somebody was coming to look at the band, not knowing who it was, and oh. that, that I was somebody important, which I wasn't. Not that I certainly wasn't. I was a no, no, I was an article clerk at a counter, driving myself mad, ticking. And uh, I, I went to P- went back to Peter's house, uh, Peter Noon. And uh, after the concert, and then I started fiddling around on the piano playing Jerry Lee Lewis. And he sort of said, do you want to join the band? I said, no, 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 no. I want to be a manager. I'm, I'm fine. I'm cool with that. And that's how I started. And that was the first band I ever came across. I was Herman Wow. Subsequently changed the name to Herman's Hermits. So, so at, that, at that point, so that Hermits, Hermits were a band. They weren't put together to be what they were. Like, they no, had evolved. They had evolved to that. Yeah. So at what point um, you said they were doing cover songs? Was it your involvement that uh, the writing started and their own songs? And who was responsible for that? Did Peter Noon write those big songs? No, no. These songs, uh, uh, as a function of the first function of a manager in those days was to get a recording contract. Mm -hmm. Once you got the recording contract, you then got a record producer. We got... Mickey Most indirectly, a long story. And um, he selected the songs. Uh, the first song, I'm Into Something Good, was A Goffing King number. Um, he, uh, the story about Mickey Most was that um, I, I filled Herman's Hermit's date sheet. So they were working like seven nights a week. It was really very, they were very, very affluent in their own ways because they were all from nice families, all of them. They all lived at home with the parents, no wives, no mortgages, not five Ferraris in the garage. So working seven nights a week and sometimes three times a day, we were all had lots of cash, mm-hmm. you know, for young years. And one of these um, triple days was at this plaza ballroom where they did a lunchtime thing for girls. The office girls used to go down and jive to all the pop groups. And I went in the offices of the manager and there was a thing from EMI, so a letter. So I said, oh, what is that? I said, can I have that letter, do you think? And it had Derek Everett on the bottom. And I wrote to Derek Everett saying, I've heard all about you. Would you like to meet us? So I went down to London to meet him, having been invited. And I walked to the door and said, I've nothing to do with A&R. I just put records in. <laughs> I, was, I was totally deflated. But he said, but have you heard this record, House of the Rising Sun? I said, yeah, it's fantastic. He says, well, there's a new kid on the block called Mickey Most. Would you like to meet him and see whether he was interested? I said, yeah, sure. So I went round to Mickey Most's office with a picture postcard of Herman and the Hermits, mm-hmm. and they were looking very smart. And he looked at the picture, and he quite liked the picture. And he said, yeah, okay, well, they look all right. And uh, I'll, I'll come up and see them. And, of course, after two months, nothing had happened. So I had the brainwave, sent him two tickets Air class, air first class, well, tickets for airfare to London to Manchester, a, a night at the hotel, come and watch the band play. He came and watched the band play. 
And on the way back, I had a crappy um, old my mother's car, which was a Triumph Herald, beaten up thing. I had an inspired uh, idea at the time to have a record player in it, one of these first record players where you set the 45 into the into the machine and the machine had a suspension that when you went over a bump, the record still played. <laughs> and we get back to the, and he sees the band, he quite likes the band, he didn't pass very much comment. And on the way back to the hotel, just before he got out of the car, he says, by the way, I've got this song from America, Do you see, see if you like this. And he put on the Earl Jean version of I'm Into Something Good, which was probably about 90 in the American charts. I said, that is amazing. He said, okay, we'll get rid of two members of the band and I'll sign them up. Oh no! <laughs> why, well, okay, wait, wait. Well, why did okay? Before I move on to my next, uh, our next thought here. Why did he want? You know, you see this in movies, and you read these these stories. What was about the two members of the band? He just didn't think they were good enough. No, they were, the, the drummer. He thought the drummer was hopeless. And uh, the bass player couldn't play the bass. This was his theory. Okay. I mean, and if you're comparing it to, you know, the top session musicians, it would be fair common, but it was very hard on the, the members. And the one member in particular, uh, Alan Wrigley, he was the kind of leader of the band to start with. And he, he and Peter had formed. It was very hard. And when Peter and I, Peter and I had to explain to him, look, uh, Alan, we've got to, um, we've got to lose to get the record deal because the record deal was the most important thing and he stormed out of the room and I got off with Peter later on into the car van at that time we had a Bedford van that used to take everything around and when this we go out on the drive and get onto the road and lying across the middle of the road is Alan Ridley I thought oh my god this is terrible swerved the car around so I didn't go over him and shot off now, Alan Wrigley had a, a sort of a history. I think his father was in jail for a capital crime. Mm. And I was terrified out of my <laughs> mind were, that, that they were going to come and get you. Around, mm. everywhere, I was looking everywhere behind me for knives and God knows what was going to come. Anyhow, nothing happened. He subsequently died quite young, actually. He was very, very, very good looking. He looked like Marlon Brown. Can I ask, uh, not to get, I, I mean, we can go look it up, but I mean, in those days, uh, bands like the Herman's Hermits and some of the other bands that you were involved in. You know, our impression as kids is they were making so much money. But if they didn't have the publishing from these records, like I'm going to get to the Beatles in a second because they, of course, wrote all their own music. But when a band like Herman's Hermits, like their money would come from what? From airplay, from concerts? Um, well, record royalties, however small, they're still mounted... To him. I wrote the B side. Well, you, again, that's sort of tied up in the publishing, but no, the record royalty was good, and they worked. And they were well. They were, as I say, they were making money before they had a record. Deal. Okay. Once we had the record deal, then the price went from fifteen pound to two hundred and fifty pound a night. Right. Admittedly, all the costs went up as well, but um, the uh, the publishing was like the bonus, which subsequently it overtook everything. But in those days, I was very green. I didn't sign publishing very early on because I didn't know what day it was. I soon learned. But um, at that time, uh, the publishing houses had everything. And to appreciate what we're dealing with here, like in 1965, Herman's Hermits edged out the Beatles, right? To become the top-selling act of that year. A lot of people wouldn't believe that because, oh, God, that's when Beatles 65 was released. And, you know, when it comes to the Beatles, you think that they're – they always were, like, head and shoulders above everybody else. But 
That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I'm not sure that is 100% accurate, but we definitely overtook the Beatles in April 65 when Mrs. Brown kept help off chart for four mm, weeks. Right. And we had five records in the top 20 or something ludicrous right. at that stage. So we were, everything we're doing was turning to gold. It was like ridiculous. They caught on the imagination of the young kids in America. And the main thing to remember was here was a clean cut looking blue eyed Catholic Kennedy-like boy, mm, mm-hmm. which the mothers would not be upset. If a Beatle came home, they'd be very shocked. If a Rolling Stone came home, they'd probably commit suicide. But here was a nice, <laughs> nice image for them. Not to be too uh, fan, you know, b- about this, but, I mean, you were in that, you were in this, in, in uh, the UK at a time of, you know, like you say, you, you took over the top spot from the Beatles. You know, you went on to manage 10CC. You were involved in a lot of different things. What, what was your, did you have much invollement or much, uh, did you ever get to hang with the Beatles at all? Or did you have any, well, was the there Beatles a rivalry? Actually, it's, it's rather strange. The Beatles knew Peter. Peter was very young. When I came to America with Peter, I had to go to Bow Street Magistrates Court to get permission to look after him as a guardian in loco parentis. Because... Anybody going that's younger than, I don't know, 17 or 18, you have to have somebody looking after them. But in England, John and Paul looked after him in the club, switching, I believe, lemonade for vodka, vodka <laughs> or whatever. And so they had a kind of fart. They were kind of very nice to Peter. There was a relationship there. And subsequently, I just worshipped the Beatles. Anyhow, once they exploded, my life changed, and so did everybody's. We no longer had to listen to American crooners. Right. And what about when the uh, the band Herman's Hermits came to America? You know, one of the things that you, you know, the legend of the Beatles is they stopped touring because the touring, like their, the equipment, the sound was so horrid. What was it like when you guys toured? Um, well, we were much more, we were... We, were, we had a different attitude. We, we, were a, we went on the Caravan of Stars, Dick Clark Caravan of Stars, with about 20 acts. We've been to America. It's the first time they've been in America. All the girls were falling over them. Oh, we love to hear your accent. Are you Australian? <laughs> and, you know, and so forth. It just went on and on and on. And it was just an exciting time. We were out of England. We're into a new country. Los Angeles was exploding. You know, it was like, Wow, what a place to live! You know, it might not be today, but it was then. It was mm-hmm. a place, it was just, and and as the music was pouring out, hit after hit, different bands. It was just, it was an amazing time musically. It just you couldn't, you can't imagine how great it was, and that's because all the bands were using other people's material. They weren't being self indulgent, doing their own stuff, and insisting. Say like with Supertramp, you get three brilliant, brilliant, brilliant starts to an album and the rest um you've got to listen to a dirge you know breakfast <laughs> in america i mean it's all the bands were responsible for that but but in those days you just look for great songs and mickey most found them from all different sources mm. david by <laughs> you know i mean the kinks right so, Sam Cooke, so and Goffin King just went on and on and on. Speaking of great songs, you were involved with 10CC. I'm not in love. Our, uh, a guy who works on the show, Dan Duran, he's a technical guy and did some producing. He has explained to me several times how that song was recorded. Were you part of that at all? 
Casares. No, the great thing about 10cc for me was whereas all my early management was a responsibility to find music for the artists to do, and which right. I did. And I had, a, I had a good ear. I might have been lucky or whatever it was, but I, I could tell a hit. Mm-hmm. usually way before it happened which is a shame but it was usually like that so when I went into the studio to hear I'm not in love unmixed for the first time I've never heard anything like it it was yeah. like a wall of sound mm-hmm. coming around it was astonishing you know, I'm playing a little bit of it now, Harvey. I'm not sure if you can hear it, but I mean, I, I've been a, I've been a disc jockey introducing records long before the uh, podcast in the '70s. I, I remember the first time I heard this and how unusual it was. Uh, the guy he's talking about is a, a friend of mine as well. We worked in radio together a long time ago, and this sounded like nothing else <laughs> on the radio. And you know, a lot of uh, there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell a story. I'm sure you've heard it. That the uh, that Bohemian Rhapsody was based on Freddie Mercury. Apparently, had heard one night in Paris the ten cc. <laughs> do you know that song? It's one of my. It's do funny. I know that song? Of course I love you do. It. It, I'll tell you, Harvey. It is one of it's one of my the least known, but my favorite. 10cc songs and the story is that if, can you concur the story is that Freddie heard it and he wanted to write something it's a it's a rambling opus you know uh, it goes on for six or seven minutes much like this question Harvey <laughs> yeah. yeah well Kevin Lowell with the avant-garde side of 10cc and Eric and Graham with the establishment side that wanted records, hit records for three minutes. And Kevin Lowell were crazy and everything they did was like wild. And that was just a magnificent track. And it, yes. <laughs> the story about that track, which is kind of a diverse, after a pantomime at Nebworth, where we were on with the Rolling Stones and there was a five-hour delay to get on, 10CC went on stage five hours late after a load of altercations and opened with one night in Paris in front of a crowd that was waiting to see Mick Jagger for seven hours and they were all stoned and out of their minds and they had 10CC playing one night in Paris which is, did not go down Which well. I'm just checking now, Harvey, is, is eight minutes and 41 seconds long. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, I thought it was really, but it was longer than that. Originally, I think it was a whole side of a. Wow. I think it was longer. But as I say, my as manager, I kept out of the way. We owned the studio. Uh, the Boers owned the studio. They did everything themselves and they came and they played me live as a minestrone or whatever it was. I didn't have to do anything. It was picnic. We just had to decide with the record company and themselves which uh, track we put out as a single. They were fantastic. The downside is. They concentrated so much on the sound that they deprived themselves of becoming the biggest band in the world. Mm-hmm. So when I'm not in love was happening in America, we were offered the Eagles tour as opening act, and they refused to do it because they weren't in control or they were worried about the sound. Mm. So their theory was we got perfect sound when we go on stage. We don't care what we look like to hell with that. The audience are going to be given the sound. My theory is you might as well buy the record to do that. Mm -hmm. If you want a show, go and see Freddie Mercury. You know. Right. Yes, he'll sing some notes out. So what? um, I'm not in love 10cc. You know, what in your estimation? I mean, you're a guy. You said you, you could identify stuff early. What makes a song timeless? Like, to me, that song, I'm Not In Love, could be released today and be a hit. Yet some of those Hermit, hermit songs, if they were released today, they would sound dated. Yeah, they're of a time. Um, yeah, of a time. 
Yes, um, it was the atmosphere of the time. You know, yeah. searches, needles and pins. Would that be a hit today? It's a great song, but would it be a hit today? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, Fred's, I think it, Fred's point is a good one. I, I'm not in love. Could, yeah. could, could, it sounds current. It doesn't sound dated. It doesn't sound from the 1970s. Mm-hmm. It could be a hit. I, I accept that. I mean, I've been involved with lots of music that I think should have happened that didn't happen at the time. That's still uh, the wax stuff that we have, which is Graham Gorman and Andrew Gold. There's some very fine material on that. It's totally unexploited. But we don't control the airways. So, yeah. you know, something mm-hmm. like I'm Not In Love, when they put it out, Everybody was concerned because it was six minutes and mm-hmm. they would, weren't going to play it. And I had to argue, yeah, but MacArthur Park was seven minutes or whatever. We, it was always a battle. There was always a reason why. There's always a negative force coming from the BBC. They banned rubber bullets because it had bulls and brains or something right. in it. And, uh, you know, you're fighting against people that are, well, I'm not saying like yourselves, but you're controlling the music that's going out. Uh, but a thing like I'm Not In Love or Bohemian Rhapsody or um, A Day in the Life or I mean, this, Across the Universe, there are some songs that are just so great. You, right. you, you know, it's A1 division. It's like the top football team as opposed sure. to the ones right. that are always near the top. Hey, um, before we let you go, I want to let everyone know the name of the book again is called uh, I'm Into Something Good, My Life Managing 10CC, Hermans, Hermans, and many more. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, Fred brought up the timelessness of some music. Was there a song that you just thought, man, when I hear that song, that's got to be a hit and you were completely wrong? Well, that's a great question. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, probably. I mean, when we put out Herman's Hermit's second record, Show Me Girl, which was, um, uh, you probably might not even know it. It was there a disaster. With all, all my friends who told me what an idiot I was with this band, what I was I'm messing around with Herman's Hermits. And when they had the hit, they were all saying, oh, it's the one-hit wonder. It's rubbish, one-hit wonder. Uh, but after 10 hits, they shut up. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know... Um, I'm trying to think of things that I thought were hits that weren't hits. Um, it's difficult. Well, you know what? For your next interview, when you do, because mm-hmm. I know you're doing publicity for the book, maybe that's something you can go, you know, there was a song that I was wrong about, and that song, maybe that'll be the surprise for people. Uh, I'm, by the way, I'm, I, the look on your face when I brought up One Night in Paris uh, made my day, because that's one of those songs <laughs> that, I gotta tell you, I've loved this song for a long time, and I, I, I've played it for my kids. They just look at me, but most people don't know about this. And it's on. By the way, Freddie, it's on the same album as Tens uh, as I'm Not in Love. It's just really something different. Uh, right. And uh, Harvey, we really appreciate you taking some time with us. The book is called "I'm Into Something Good," and uh, it is really. It's there's we didn't touch on almost. There's so much in this book. So many great stories. Not to mention. You were one of the first people to discover Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber, and maybe that'll be a conversation for another time. Yeah, I mean, that was a really amazing thing. I said I had ears, but I also had a mouse for knowing what was going to happen. For some reason, it was something in my psyche that I could kind of see things that might happen. Joseph and the Dreamcoat was was the one that uh, really stood out. And I'll tell you, I don't know how much you want to talk about it because I don't know how you'll fix it. Well, we're, we're, um, we're going to be wrapping you up here in a couple seconds. So just, uh, but thank you very much for your time this morning. 
I just want to let you know that uh, we'll let everyone know to go buy I'm Into Something Good, my life managing 10cc Herman's Herbits and more. Harvey, thanks very much, my friend. Okay, thank you very much. It was nice talking to you. It was guys. really nice talking okay. to you. Thank you, Harvey. There's Harvey okay. Lisberg, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just let yourself out. We'll see you again, my friend. Take care. Yeah. Apparently, the story is that Freddie Mercury heard this. I mean, I, 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 you can look it up. Apparently, some people say it's not true, but the story is that Mercury heard it and wanted to write something that because this this song changes like nine times in the. Anyway, you know who else likes this song? Who? Doodles. Derwood. Waslick Jr. Right on. Yeah, I haven't heard this in a long time. I will listen later in the day. Yeah, I listen to it uh, once in a while because it's uh, it's just so different. Uh, while we're playing, see, I have uh, I'm not in love with my playlist, and um, that 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 song, the length of it, 1975, right? Like here in Toronto. FM radio really hadn't quite taken hold yet either. No, so, so that vehicle later became a place for longer rock songs. Obviously, well, I played. I yeah. was on AM stations uh, for the mm-hmm. first four years of my career. I started on an FM station in Vancouver in 1980 and one. And uh, but the only song we ever played, he mentioned it on AM radio that was over four minutes long was MacArthur Park, and it was nearly eight minutes long. Um, why don't we uh, have you uh, talk about uh... Architect? Yes, please. And thank you. Uh, Architect, uh, a full service turnkey building partner with their clients. That means they help create the design right down to an exacting level of detail. Uh, then they make sure it gets built to the client's exact specification. Uh, it's your backyard, hey? Uh, so it's got to be done right, and they do it right. Uh, this uh, makes it simpler uh, for their clients uh, because they source materials. They make sure it meets building code requirements. Uh, architect, they prepare the construction plans. They apply for the permits uh, that are needed, and uh, they manage the job site like pros. Working with architect ensures that... Uh, you get what you want and that it's done right. Now, if you are interested, uh, the phone number is 647-775-9222 or go to architect.com. Pros from top to bottom. Uh, very well done. Thank you. i uh, just trying to get uh, a couple things in order here. Can you... Um, I don't know. I, don't, I can't find it. Can you send me the uh, notes from the Sherpa for this week? I appreciate mm-hmm. it. If you're looking to improve your sports performance, increase your range of motion and flexibility as well, reduce muscle and joint pain, improve posture, improve relaxation, and decrease stress, well, we uh, welcome and recommend our brand new sponsor, Stretch Lab in Toronto, stretchlab.com. And uh, you get here's the thing. I've gone now. This is how a lot of relationships start. I, I went there. I've been in uh, love with this whole experience. Basically, what they do is they they have they're called flexologists, and what they do is they they take you through a series of stretches over the course of fifty minutes. You will feel different. 
It's not like going to a Cairo. It's not like getting a massage. It's a 50-minute mobility assessment stretch. That's how you get started for only $59. $59 gets you an assessment, talk about your range of motion, and then gets you an introductory stretch. And believe me, you will be hooked. Go check it out. If you haven't had an assistant stretch before, prepare yourself for a great time. Talk about any injuries you have, any stiffness. Maybe you've got some hip issues. Stretches are performed in their custom-designed benches. It won't be painful, uh, but you will feel different when it's over. Stretchlab.com, just like it sounds. Stretchlab.com. Uh, let me just check in with Dan Duran here, because it would be great if we got Dan Duran uh, to do the news in between... Um, before the Sherpa checks in. Yes, that would be prudent. Yeah, so yeah, we'll get Dan on here in a second. Oh, there's, there he is. There's Dan Duran now. Look at him. I wonder if Hermits, Hermits, I was going to ask him, did they make like life-altering money? Because they were huge at one point. Or was that window just too brief? Well, check out Peter Noon's uh, net worth. Okay. You're the net worth guy. Good thinking. Yeah. Good, th- <laughs> <laughs> Good thinking, how man. Uh, Dan Duran, here's what's going to happen, Dan. I mean, I, again, we I, yeah. we don't like to keep you because I know you're busy. You're what are you coming here? You're doing. You're going there. You're making. A, I yeah. don't know what you're doing. Uh, but I thought we would get the news on now, and then right. the Sherpa's coming, or or you know what? I mean, we could do Sherpa, then the news, and then you well, can stick around. Now. We could do if you've got time. Let's do the news now. And, and then, then what about uh, well, how will you close the show? How will you close the? You, you, well, I can either come back with a show. I know that Lisa's getting her snow tires right. Uh, okay, so I gotta go. Well, it's about time. Up. It's about time. Yeah. It's about Let's, goddamn time. What you've changed your tires already? Oh yes, I first week of April I switched to Lisa's over. I what does that surprise you? It's tires. fucking June. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you never know. Did you hear his accusatory tone though? Do you hear his tone? He's got a tone. I hear a tone. It's, it's almost to the point where you might as well leave him on. I hear a tone. Uh, we all three have tones. There's no tones. There's all kinds of tones going I around. I read a tone. <laughs> By the way, I do, I, I'm sure we've gotten stoned and listened to On One Night in Paris, haven't we? It's been a while since I've heard that album. I'm gonna, yeah. After you mentioned that, I'm, I, I want to go and listen to it again. I did not know the connection between that song and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I'd never. Well, that's just one of those showbiz rumors. What's uh, Peter Noon's uh, net worth? Yikes. Three million. So, no, he didn't make, you know, if you can believe this shit. But I, I went to a couple of places and uh, both say three million. Really? He either pissed it away or, again, you know, it was a brief window. And back then, record companies used to rob these guys blind if yeah. they didn't have the right deal and all that didn't stuff. Didn't have so. publishing. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what Harvey's uh, net worth is. Check it out. Maybe he's, uh, you know, got money hidden in the Caymans or something like that. Yes, Dan. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe that's your story. my money. I think that's where Dan Duran's money is hiding. Do you do have a? I mean, I know you're. I've known you a long time, but I'm willing to believe that you've got some shit going on the side. <laughs> yeah, I really am. Yeah. I'm willing to put my, myself out there for that. My uh, Swedish money. <clears throat> is, uh, <laughs> it's really I think Dan Duran's got some money hidden away somewhere. <laughs> I mean, how else can you explain his lifestyle? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, so are we doing the news or are we going to uh, yes, yes. put the news off? I don't know. We're, we're yes, Daniel. Yes, I don't want to waste any more time because we're going to run right into Sherpa time. Yeah, I don't, don't know. We've got a tight <laughs> schedule today. Yeah, but, it says uh, here Harvey's got about five mil. Yeah, well, he's got some money stashed away, too. All right, Dan, here we go. Hang on. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now, live from Lisa's house Soon to be the matrimonial home (laughs) With news and views Here's movie star anchor Dan Duran the world's first 3D printed cultivated fish fillet has been um, uh, printed nice and, and eaten apparently it tastes really? like uh, it, it flakes tastes and melts in your mouth exactly like a, fo- a fish should according to a mommy meats co-founder one of the makers um, they take cultivated cultivated seafood and meat are, are like real proteins that are grown in a lab using stem cells instead of fish from the sea or livestock raised on a farm. And they uh, put it into a bioreactor, and the cells differentiate between fat cells or muscle cells. And then they uh, mix it up and put it into a 3D printer cartridge and then print out your, uh, you know, desired meat. Mm. Wow. Sounds delicious. Yummy. <laughs> what do we get down? Nothing says, even, uh, nothing says appetizing like... <laughs> nothing says appetizing like, hey, can you print me some meat? Isn't that what they've been doing with the filet fish at McDonald's for years? <laughs> for years and years, yeah. That used to be, by the way, that used to be my order. That was part of my uh, McDonald's order. I used to have a quarter pounder with cheese, fries, and a filet of fish. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah my, my grandkids love the filet fish uh, Johnny Slapshot, he gets a double filet. I think they're like 13 bucks for a double filet. Are they really? <laughs> you know, yeah. you're the only one who's been in McDonald's, I think, in the last decade. I have not. And this is since, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> can you say, since Lady Friend. You know, she used to like to go play in the ball pit. Um, yes. <laughs> and you talk say, to the other parents. That's right. When uh, Lady Friend would take her to the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just remember being semi drunk one night. We were on our way home. This is like, uh, and uh, we stopped at McDonald's. That's the last time I was at a McDonald's. But you go all the time. Yeah. What you do you got? Her Happy Meal, right? I did. <laughs> well, believe me, I tried to make her as happy as I could. Listen, what is your McDonald's order as a grandpa? Pardon me. What is your McDonald's order as a grandfather? Here's what I do in Georgetown. I wheel into the McDonald's, okay. and I get John a double filet and May a single filet meal, and they usually like iced tea or chocolate milk with it. And then my order, I wheel around and drive across the street to Osmos usually and get like a uh, chicken shawarma or something. I, well, I yeah. just I can't eat McDonald's. I'm why, sorry. Yeah, why, why can't you just – why do you have to wheel around? Why can't you just drive? <laughs> well, because it's a, well, almost like a complete Huey there that I have to into you know, the other park. One parking lot goes into the next, just across the street. So I can't was, keep up with it's all very your very convenient for me. I can't keep up with all your hipster lingo. Yeah, <laughs> wheel around is very much a grandfather term. Yeah. I'd say. Well, or, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I get chicken, uh, uh, you know, on rice and stuff like that. It, 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 it's good. 
You know, I, I think sometimes I drive, I see those signs from McDonald's, and I think, you know, should I try it? It's been so long. Like, what? It, we should do that. We should have like a, a day where we have, we go to McDonald's, we have like a Big Mac, we have a quarter pounder, we have a chocolate shake, and just see, <laughs> just, right. we do. Humble and see, wait. To field trip. Yeah, and just see how quickly we, sh- how quickly one of us has to shit. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Howard, remember here in Brampton at Queen and Kennedy, that place called Sonny's Hamburgers? Do you remember that? It's been it's been here for like 50 years. OK, just just north of uh, Queen on Kennedy there on the left hand side. Go nice. Um, it's again, I used to eat there when when you were younger and you could take that stuff. Well, five or six years ago, I went in there one day and I had the burger and the fries and everything and i felt like shit for the rest of the day i just did and then last week i was detoured off the 410 and went by sunny's and i was really hungry and i thought should i just go in there and have a sunny's burger but my wisdom my Mm. 66 year old wisdom said fred don't do that do you want to feel like shit for the rest of the day Mm -hmm. and i was proud of myself i kept driving because it was a day I would have taken the instant uh, satisfaction and put up with the long-term discomfort. But Well, I was talking about an old play, a, a burger place in your old stomping grounds there of Scarborough at uh, Victoria Park and Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Johnny's Hamburgers. Oh, and yeah. I would, if I were anywhere near there, I would still go and have a Johnny's Hamburgers. Hamburger. Mm-hmm. Hamburgers, hamburger? Hamburger, yes. Yeah. There's one at... Uh, also, Kennedy and um, Kennedy and Lawrence across from Winston Churchill. My high school is called Harry's Hamburger. Same thing, same vein. Um, and you know they built a Harvey's right beside it, and this Harry's Hamburger survived that. So it just tells you how good the mm. burgers are. So a Harry Hamburger is a good one. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, Johnny's is uh, routinely in the top ten burger places in the city. Has been forever. Sure. I don't know if you've ever had a Johnny's Dan, but you got it's one of those places. It's really. Not it's not fancy, so you may not like it. Is it doesn't have great ambience or ambiance. You yeah. line up with everyone else, Dan. There's no Dan Duran in front of the line status. Well, it's Bruce Barker endorsed. What more do you need? Exactly. Oh. Mm-hmm. Usually, well, right around the corner from there, I go to Mona's Roti. So that's where I've been there. there. Where at Victoria Park and Shepherd? No, it's near CFTO. Oh, okay, right, right, right. CFTP. Yeah, I forgot. Dan, Dan recommended it there, and I went there one day, and I really liked it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, let's, I really think we should take the McDonald's challenge, you and I. I don't know whether I'd get a quarter pounder. No, I might go the Big Mac just for old time's sake right. if we were going to do that. Haven't they changed the menu a little bit since you were kids? Yeah. Yeah, like, isn't there like salads uh, or no, things? Oh no, there? there's salads and stuff. There's all kinds. Oh yeah, of, that stuff. They've added stuff. Oh like, yeah, there's yeah. all kind of healthy options. But I would definitely. Every that's so how often we're going there with the McRib. Yeah, they don't. I don't think they do that. Every very so often. often they'll. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, it's a like once or twice a year they offer their McRib. I don't think they. Remember do. they used to do the. Remember they they had pizza with they with they tried that. the pizza they the had, pizza was remember horrible they had the lobster. They had lobster. The lobster sandwich they would do. See, yeah, they used to have those lobsters. By the way, I don't think they. I, I don't really think they do the McRib. I don't believe they McRib it anymore. Do they? Don't they don't, don't think oh, so? Okay. I don't think they do the shamrock shake either. <laughs> well, the, the rib, the rib must be. What's uh, the matter with them? <laughs> <laughs> Which also used to make me nauseous. Ooh, well, you know what? I think they make that with. They used to make that with a three D printer yeah, too. That's because right. It was, right. Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a rib sandwich with no bones at all. Right? It was just oh, so no. weird to look at. Oh yeah, yeah. What was the thing where they made the hot side hot and the cold side cold? What was that? 
What was that? I, yeah. Remember that I, sandwich, Dan? I can't remember. It was no, some, some kind of sandwich where the hot side was hot and they kept the cold side cold. What? Mm-hmm. No, I, listen, what you're saying, I... Well, I know. I, rem- I remember the uh, the concept, but I don't know if it was a sandwich. Was it? Sounds like something's undercooked. Look it up, Dan. Hmm. <laughs> Look it up while we uh, admit the uh, retirement Sherpa into the uh, into the room here. Yeah, it was some sandwich they had where that was their tagline. You know, they were very proud of the fact that they were able to keep the hot side hot and the cold side cold. And I don't remember what. I just remember that tagline. There's I still table. maintain I like their fries. No, I steal the kids' fries. Fries are good. Yeah, yeah. fries are solid. It's called the McDLT. McDLT. Thank you very much, Dan DeRooney. And what would that be? What would the hot part be? The lettuce and the, the LT. Lettuce. No, that's... I said the that's hot part. What would the hot part be? The D. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I don't, I don't know. Sounds dangerous to me. Listen, man, I couldn't come up with. I, I came up with the tagline. Don't ask me for any more details. So, sounds nuclear. It is. Uh, listen, Dan Duran. As you can yeah. see, it's time to uh, admit this uh, wise, sagacious uh, yep. Sherpa, this sagacious. guru. Yes, wow. sage. Oh, he right. is, uh, so we'll, you know, do something with yourself. <laughs> and, uh, okay. We'll see you in a minute or two. Maybe we'll come back for a second story from Dan Duran. Tim.nibblet at RaymondJames.ca. Do you remember your uh, McDonald's order from when you were a kid? Uh, good morning, everybody. Well, I, I'm still an Egg McMuffin guy every once in a while uh, now. I, I've got to say... Uh, you know, I loved your your previous guest uh, there, Dan, of course, too, and he could have talked longer. But uh, big 10CC fan uh, yeah. as well, so it's great to hear you guys talking about that. Were you? Are you did you know about that song, One Night in Paris? No, I, I didn't. That was a new discography uh, for me today. Well, I'll tell you what, if you like 10CC and you enjoyed their music, and it, it's, it's funny because that song is on the same album as I'm Not in Love, and uh, I didn't really know about it until, you know, years after I stopped playing records. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny you mentioned the, the uh, what'd you call it? The uh, Egg McMuffin. I used to like the Odd Egg McMuffin. Yes, they're quick and easy and uh, yeah. I don't know about super healthy, but probably better than lots of the other choices uh, there. Uh, just back to the music, I'm too busy listening to One Night in Bangkok, of course. Oh, I like that. One Night in uh, Paris. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that song too. Yeah. Yeah, that's an old CFNY staple. Oh, yeah. It's still a great one. You know, I added that mm-hmm. to my playlist a few months ago and uh, listen on the golf course every once in a while uh, to the, the tunes. Uh, of course, all my angry old white men I golf with down there uh, say, no rap, no rap. Say, oh, yeah. Hey, no problem. Oh, that was funny. It's <laughs> always um, the first thing I said. Is there anything no you guys want to listen to? Not listen to? You go, no rap. That's the only answer I've ever got. And stay out of Target. Stay out of right. Target. You know, Get off my yeah. lawn. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, this is one of those songs, One Night in Bangkok, that a lot of people listening maybe don't know the reference, but it was part of a, I didn't know this, it was actually part of a musical they made called Chess, I believe. And uh, the that guy that's a uh, wise one, yes. and the Murray, guy that uh, head, I believe, is he uh, Murray Head, exactly. And this is the obviously not the radio. Here, here we go. Sorry. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we played this. Uh, this was not only a CFNY. This was an Edge. So, once in a while, an Edge Gold we would play. Right. 
Would this have ever been played on Top 40 radio? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe Top 40 FM, but not AM, I don't think. It's a great song. When I say Top 40, I think AM. Yeah. Murray Head. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's talk about uh, finances. That's what the Sherp is here for. And, uh, you know, sometimes I I misplace the uh, weekly notes. This is an interesting question. Do you have a group RRSP or pension? Talk to us about that. Well, as we probably know, pensions are becoming less and less uh, prevalent nowadays. Uh, Employers have chosen for for decades really now uh, increasingly to limit their responsibility in that area or their or their future uh, obligations and all so they they've morphed into most cases a group rsp uh, oftentimes matching which is great so that's really kind of the first mm-hmm. one on this is you know a does your employer offer things are you taking advantage of it and if they're doing matching like i'm good but i'm not good enough to you know replicate a hundred percent matching or whatever if you put in four percent of your salary and they put in four percent as an example max it out take full advantage of that yeah um company the the thing about group rrsp i i think in a lot of situations too it's optional right where if you work for a company that had a pension like a teacher or something you know it's not optional you're an employee you pay into the pension and that's all there is to it or you know and they they pay a bit too. Group RS, RRSPs are often optional, aren't they? Which can be dangerous for people that don't uh, aren't good planners. Oh, absolutely right. And 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 if mm-hmm. you think of it, if it was something you could sign up for when you first start, uh, sometimes maybe gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, right? You're just mm-hmm. excited to be starting the the new job. You're a little nervous. You're focused on other uh, things. Benefits you'll probably. Uh, uh, you know, check out uh, Thanks mm-hmm. Chamber Plan, you know, but uh, the the group RSP, virtually everybody has it. The amount of matching, uh, you know, differs, of course. Some have stock plans as well for the company, which are, are awesome. So, you, like with anything, right, you just need to know what the heck is there yeah. and uh, and take advantage of it. Past that, how are you investing it? There's mm-hmm. sometimes default choices. Often there's less choices uh, so it's of course important to match up properly what you're you're putting your money into. A couple questions. So when when people leave an employer, if they have a group RRSP with that employer, because I've, I guess I had a would be a, a group RRSP with Actra. Actra just invested it for me. But so when you leave an employer, is it difficult to get your RRSP back under your control? And is that something that you do? Yeah, uh, thank you for the uh, lob uh, pitch there. No worries. Um, absolutely. <laughs> this we, is slow, uh, buddy, we're playing slow pitch here. This is what it is. <laughs> uh, hopefully I'll knock this uh, at least uh, for a double or something. More like about. T-ball, really. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's just paperwork. Super easy stuff. And um, it, it, it's, it's a lot easier for the client, right? They, they've got everything in one place. Uh, we can kind of make sure all the pieces fit together a lot better. Uh, that way too. Uh, currently, we're just reviewing a client's uh, group plan, very sizable amount. They've been there for quite a while, so we just want to make sure that it is invested properly. A, of course, and and B matches what they've got with us as well, so it all 
fits together. Uh, as an example, uh, I've never seen a group plan yet that has any of the Sherpa style investing, the mm. uh, kind of Yale Endowment Canada Pension Plan methodology. Uh, so that might be something we do is have more of that than normal with us. And knowing that there's not any uh, option that way at the at the group plan, so to, again, just make it all fit together properly. Yeah, and you make a, a good point about being aware of this stuff. I, I mean, I experienced in the early early years of uh, CFNY, the Edge, or whatever, when they offered it, and a lot of guys just didn't want to deal with the whole idea of it. And we used to say it's free money. You know, even the stock plans, they you know, you buy four, they give you one. I used to say it's it's free money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have these opportunities and, number one, don't know it or don't look into it enough to understand exactly what they're doing for you, giving you money. So... Right. I mean, if in the cafeteria they're handing out 20s, you'd definitely hurry <laughs> exactly. on down to, to go get some, right? Yes. So, yeah, I, I mean, most good employers do feel the uh, obligation to do something like this. So, for for sure, as Howard says, you know, if you've some people have a trail of them from where they've worked in the sure. in the past, right? You know, and don't even know, of course, how it's invested. Last year, especially, you didn't want to be in the wrong place. It might not have been pretty. So, uh, it, it's something that needs some light shone on it, some attention. Uh, uh, paid to it for sure but any of those things if you're getting kind of free money to some degree uh, it's really part of your employment package right so you'd want to take advantage of it mm-hmm. and take advantage of uh, more wisdom from this uh, gentleman uh, the retirement sherpa are you uh, involved in uh, ladies day today will you be there yes i am i absolutely am my increasing warning track power and i will be out there uh, this afternoon excellent yeah, uh, there's a big controversy at the club because there's uh, too many people signing up. The, the round's taking forever. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I can involve. It's a very complicated issue, but basically there's just too many people because, you know, until the guys start going to their cottages, everybody's playing. And the last two Wednesdays, I think it's taken five, five hours and 15 minutes to play. Yeah, it's we've been pretty close day. to five. I'm happy I'm not captain right now oh, to, yeah. to deal with this. Uh, as our pal Yogi Berra would say, Fred would know this with his sports background, but that place is so busy, nobody goes there anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Do you still have your prime parking spot, or did that leave with the, your captaincy? No, it's 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 gone. Yeah. It's gone. I'm now back in the uh, the back 40, but I just... You know, you got to keep things simple. First off, the color of the car kind of helps me find it. And sure. Secondly, I just, like most of us, I'm a creature habit. I park in the same darn spot every time so I can find where I am. Uh, before right we on. let you go, uh, there's a Yogi Berra movie coming out, a documentary about his life. And one of the things, people often refer to Yogi Berra and the funny little things he said. But I was looking at this article about him. He was a superstar. Like, you know, most people don't re- remember how good a ball player he was. Right. Like Hall yeah. of Fame numbers. Everyone just remembers the quirky little, you know, Yogi Berra things he said. <laughs> One of my favorites was, we stink on the road, we stink at home. I can't think of anywhere else to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, retirement Sherpa, Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you this afternoon. Absolutely enjoying Profit All, and awesome to see you guys as always. It's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, my friend. There he is, a retirement Sherpa. You know, he talked about uh, the guys he plays with in Florida. Mm-hmm. 
And I uh, came across an article today. I'm not sure who sent it to us. Okay, Dan Duran is back now. Stand by. Stand by for Dan Duran. Standing by for Dan Duran. Okay. And uh, who sent this to me? Where is this? Doesn't matter. What's that? The uh, travel advisory. Canada issues grim U.S. travel advisory amid mass shootings. Risk of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Is this article from Yahoo News? <clears throat> yes, the... Uh, in, in, in this advisory, it says, this is the Government of Canada information page. Reminds travelers to be cautious and take security precautions when visiting down south. Uh, the rate of firearm possession in the United States is high, notes the official advisory. This was updated on May 19th. Incidents of mass shootings occur, resulting most often in casualties, blah, 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 blah. Upward trend, 200 mass, shoot, 200 mass shootings alone in the first five months of 2023. They have a uh, poll here. Do you feel safe visiting the U.S. considering its gun culture? And 56% of people say, I am worried. Uh, here's one. 20% people say, I don't know. I hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's most people. They go, I don't know. I don't know from guns. I hope for the best. You know, we we talked about, you know, the vaccine and. Do you know of anyone that died from the vaccine? Zero people have died from the vaccine. Do you know anyone that really got uh, sick from the vaccine? No. Yeah, you have all these alarmists out there. And again, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because years ago I was critical of Mexico. There was a lot of Canadians dying there and whatever. And I got sucked into the news cycle thing. And this story you have, it's... Just think about that. You know, somebody, you, you tell somebody you're going to Mexico, and, oh, be careful. Oh, geez, mm-hmm. it's crazy That's down right. there. You say to somebody, hey, we're going to spend the weekend in Chicago. Oh, it's a great city. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, you could easily be caught in crossfire in Chicago or Miami or any number of American cities that are probably, percentage-wise, just as dangerous as going to anywhere in Mexico. I would say even more. Yeah. Because in Mexico... Like, there's not the randomness. I mean, yeah, in certain parts of the country where are very cartel-centric. Yeah. But uh, I'm just looking for, a, I was scrolling this article as you were talking. It says there's no predicting where it is that this is going to occur before it occurs. And I think, okay, at least mm-hmm. in my mind, I think a lot of the, like, for some reason I keep thinking mass shootings in the States are in schools but they're not they're actually this is what i'm trying to find they're actually more in retail areas so if you think you're safe going to the states because you're not going to be in a elementary school apparently and this again it makes so much sense that um it's in areas that tourists would be would be visiting on the government of Canada's site. It actually it now has a list of rules for what you should do if you're caught in an active shooting. Which basically, the, all, all, here's what here's what the rules boil down to: run the fuck out of there, <laughs> run away, <laughs> run away, duck and cover. Yeah, man. Yeah, and the and you know the the solution of arming teachers and everybody should have a gun and 
Were we talking about that yesterday? You know, you know, a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. That whole concept. Yeah, yeah. It's just arm the entire population. Yeah. Arm everybody. Like, how sickening is that? And they don't think they have a problem, which is of all the things around this that are so ridiculous and sad and, you know, obviously a terrible loss, etc., but the thing that, that the fact that they uh, that a good percentage of Americans don't think that guns are the problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, again, uh, to, to sort of follow where I was going, you know, the analogy with the vaccine. Do you know of anyone who's ever been hurt or harmed in Mexico? No, personally, either do I. And years and years and years and years of people I know going there. But I could also say that with the States. I don't know anybody. I think I knew somebody who was mugged once in New York, but uh, had their wallet taken. But it's just, again, we're drawn into news cycles and whatever is going to get attention. And sure, when, when you get right down to it, if you play the percentages, is chances are overwhelmingly that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Top of the list. Here it is. Top of the list of uh, where mass shootings take place. Retail locations, which are known to have high and uncontrolled foot traffic, followed by restaurants and bars. So the things you're going to do when you go to Narlins or anywhere else you're going to visit yeah. is to go to retail locations, restaurants and bars. Yeah. So you're right. The overwhelming, the percentages... But I don't recall as a younger person, the government of Canada issuing travel advisories to the states. No. Familiar, the, the, the advisory actually says, familiarize yourself on how to respond in an active shooter situation. Should I read you the uh, list of the government? Call nine. It says, when an active shooter is in your vicinity, you should immediately... <laughs> You should immediately leave your belongings behind and start to plan an escape route. <laughs> Listen, man. Really? If I if I can tell there's an active shooter, I'm not time. There's no time for planning. While evacuating, help others escape. Eh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Here's one well, though. Yeah. Okay. I got. An, I, if I can, I will. But you know, but I'm old. I'm, I, if I've already I, I, run away. I'm not going. Exactly. Back. I'm not going back in. Do not, importantly, do not move the wounded. Well, as a doctor, I can't. I've got to stay and help the wounded. Mm -hmm. As long as they're not in the vicinity of the shooting. Well, there's states in in the United States that have, you know, the, the right to carry that, you know, like carry any gun you want at any age. Right. The oh, yeah. It's like, you know, here everybody have a gun. Uh, if you, you should have three or four, if you don't have, you know, one. And it, it, it's, it's astonishing that they don't see the correlation that the uh, between the availability of a gun and, and violence. And no, violence they and don't. It's just crazy. But listen, even here in Toronto, you know, with gangs and, you know, there's probably more people here in Toronto who own, ga- uh, who own guns. But it tends to be the underworld or criminals mm-hmm. or drug dealers and all that. But it is scary when you think that number is growing all the time. But the solution isn't for us to go out and get a gun, in my mind. You know what I mean? So, so if it comes like, you know, a quarter of the population now in the city of Toronto, they're carrying guns because they're up to no good or they just think they need it for protection. You don't, you don't counter that with, okay, arm everybody. And again, I, I don't know what Lucian is. 
But I don't think it's a quarter. No, that's not a quarter of the population. No, no, no. I'm just saying if it was. Oh, I see. I see. Right, right. You know, Uh, according to uh, that point, according to the gun violence archive in each of the last complete years. And this seems low. There have been more than 600 mass shootings. Mm -hmm. Is that a year? I guess maybe they're saying it's 600 mass shootings a year. Almost two each Almost two each day. That is, a mass shooting is when there are at least four injuries or fatalities. In 2022, there were 20,200 deaths as a result of guns in America and 38,550. But sometimes when you hear these gun people, they'll talk, yeah, but like 50,000 people died of cancer. Or if good guys didn't have guns, that <clears throat> could be even higher, that yeah. number. Um, you know, another byproduct of this, which is sad, and again, I'll apply this to Toronto, intervention. There was a time if you were walking down the street, I think, you know, the average Torontonian, and you saw somebody being abused, you might intervene, yes. physically even. But you got to think now, and especially in the United States. If I saw some guy abusing a woman, like integrity morals tell you intervene but it's got to go through your mind like i could end up if not dead injured maimed life-threatening like yeah and that's sad too that you you've been put in that position but even what you see i'm in downtown toronto yesterday and it's sad you know the homeless point we've gotten to there and a lot of these people mentally ill and if you saw an incident Say I'm I'm at the game with with uh, Rudra or Johnny Slap. Oh, okay. With a kid, with a kid, oh, and I see, I'm walking yeah. down the street, and this guy's beating up a woman. Mm. You know, instinct would tell me I've got to stop that. But I'd look at John and say, if if I end up hurt, what would happen to him? I would just turn face and keep walking. Okay, Isn't well, that sad? Yeah, but what if he was just beating up anybody, woman or man? Yeah, you I mentioned know, it twice. Yeah. A bit. Okay, but like yeah. if, if if I saw somebody being, you know, beaten, woman or man, you know, there might be a time I, you know, crazy Howard would have intervened. But now old grandpa Howard, I, you know, I got everything hurts. I can't mm-hmm. afford to get in there. I know. And especially but when again, you had, but when again, you had you, your but kid with it's you. The, yeah, it's the consequences, too, that what could happen now that years ago may not have yeah you just don't know what's in their pocket or what's in their pants or um before we uh shut this thing down because uh our uh, last guest i don't think is going to show we'll have to uh figure out when that's going to be but in the meantime why don't you speak on behalf of our good friends at the chamber plan Yes, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. You know, Brett was going to come by and probably talk about these two new products, the uh, Teladoc Mental Health Navigator, uh, included if you have the health benefit. Uh, It's fantastic. I've actually used it, too. If you have an issue, you get a hold of the Teladoc people. They do, you know... You talk to them about what your problem is, what your issue is, and then they hook you up with doctors uh, that can help you with that. And usually you get quicker access to those doctors. It's fantastic. And they've also come out with the Teladoc My Strength um, Therapist, which is actually an online, it's an app where you can go online and actually get therapy. 
Mm. So again, cutting edge, out of the curve, all those things about the Chambers Plan. Uh, go to chamberplan.ca, find out about more about all the things they offer, but including these two products that uh, are very clever. Dan, once you've reached a safe location, you'll likely be held in that area by law enforcement. Until the situation is under control. Now, this is especially for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Upon law enforcement arrival, do not ask immediate questions. <laughs> That's right. That's like Dan Duran. You imagine, you know, Dan's like, Excuse me, I'd like to speak to the mall Can manager. Can I talk to the captain or something? This I bought some new. Uh, I bought some new deck shoes. <laughs> when, when am I going to be allowed to go back in? And get my deck shoes. Excuse me. So we're dealing with the wounded. I know, I know but can I? <laughs> but all of us here can we're I, still being yeah. held. Yeah. Is there any hours way, ago? Is there any way that I can get a coupon <laughs> from the store uh, while it was being shot up? I bought some deck shoes. <laughs> can we have more comfortable chairs while we're sitting I, yeah, here? Yeah, exactly. I'm a. Uh, this water isn't uh, room temperature. Can I get some room temperature water? This holding pen needs some work. Okay. Upon law enforcement arrival, do not ask immediate questions. <laughs> Remain calm, Dan, and follow instructions, which is good advice, no matter what the situation is. Right. Okay. Well, that thanks was, for that. There guy. you see. See yep. what we do here on the show. We take. It's a public service. We t- exactly. We give you public service and uh, information, and then we twist it into something comedic. <laughs> hey, yes. what are you doing? It's quite the process. <laughs> what do you? What are you? Ring? Fred's already wrapped up the show. He's starting to put the uh, URL together. Uh, no, not. I, I, I could. I have. I know you. You. you I know you. Time, but it's not exactly what I'm doing now. But, um, yes. You know, I was just letting you go off doing your, oh, uh, you know, your uh, your quick five at the end of the show. Like, go, <laughs> go for it, buddy. I'm not yeah. going to interrupt. Dude, are you kidding me? That was fucking gold. Dan Duran. You're fucking marvelous, Mrs. Dan Duran asking for blankets and shit. Uh, these blankets are too, these are very <laughs> scratchy blankets. <laughs> the uh, the lighting here in the holding area, it's, it's a bit much. It's a bit aggressive. <laughs> <sighs> I can just see you asking for a coupon for your shit that you bought. Okay, well, listen, we're not doing it. Tomorrow is our email show uh, brought to you by Palma Pasta. I want to mention how important uh, their support has been. Palmapasta.com, four locations, one in Oakville, three in Mississauga, and their signature store, Palma's Kitchen, which is outrageous. <laughs> you call me marvelous, Mrs. Maisel. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Can't make it out or order online at uh, palmapasta.com. Palma pasta, Italian tradition, simply delicious. Uh, no show Monday, uh, golf stuff. and uh, But uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. Dan Duran. Like, like a big tournament? Well, they're all big tournaments, Dan. They're almost, well, I mean, does it wrap up on Monday or you're Yes, it's a one day. It's a one day invitational. It's a single day oh. event. Oh, you've been invited. To, I'm trying to improve on last year's performance in this tournament. Last year I was second. Oh, oh really? Yes. Wow. So I can only uh, I can only be disappointed if I don't finish yes, first. Do, do you subscribe from if you ain't first, you're last? Do you subscribe to that? Uh, I don't know. Is that a newsletter? What do you mean subscribe to it? 
See, I'm still doing. That. This is still part of my crowd work. <laughs> no, I'm saying, do you, you know, that the whole attitude. If you're no. not first, uh, you're last. No, golf's hard as fuck, man. You never know. I, I could finish last. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I'm long s- after after not doing what you wanted to do, are you at peace with yourself? Immediately. Like, does that take immediately at peace with himself? I'm immediately at peace with myself. Oh, Jesus. Yes, I am. Look at all those okay. dents in the wall behind Immediately you. at peace. Immediately at peace. Immediately, Immediately at peace. Peace, at peace. serenity now, serenity now, serenity Spa now. music. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Serenity now. Uh, thanks to uh, Harvey Lisberg and the um, Herman's Hermits uh, book. Uh, thanks to the Sherps. Dan Duran, your contribution is always welcome. As I mentioned, our little email thing tomorrow. And uh, we'll do another uh, full show uh, next Tuesday. This episode of Hubble and Fred was brought to you by Architect Outdoor Living, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, and our newest sponsor, Stretch Lab Toronto, helping you improve posture and relaxation and decreasing your stress. We read all of our emails, and we've got that Thursday email show tomorrow coming up. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking and subscribing helps us. So does writing a review and giving us hearts and stars. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, the Humble and Fred way of dealing with conflict. Run away! Run away! So that you can enjoy every goddamn day. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands.